biosecurity. It's one of those topics that's so often talked about, but we tend to gloss over. It can often feel impractical or complicated, but at the end of the day, it's really just about finding simple ways to prevent the introduction or spread of diseases on the farm. Sometimes simple strategies are just best, and it starts with conversations with a vet and your staff and hopefully ends as everyday habits. Welcome to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series, Paths to On-Farm Excellence, where we discuss priority topics for Canadian dairy farmers. My name's Stephen Roach. I'm an epidemiologist with a passion for dairy cattle health and welfare. I'm part of a team working with the Dairy Farmers of Canada to help showcase Canadian dairy farming stories, industry updates, and the latest science, advice, and perspectives on high-priority topics that relate to ProAction. Our next discussion takes place with Miriam Sweetnam, a dairy producer located in southern Manitoba. On top of her full-time role as a dairy farmer, Miriam is involved locally and nationally in the dairy industry. I sat down with Miriam to discuss her experience with disease outbreaks and how her family and staff implement biosecurity on their farm today. So, let's jump in. Miriam, it's a pleasure to get to chat to you today um, over the phone and, and have an opportunity to learn a little bit about you and, and your operation in Manitoba and uh, and get your perspective on, on biosecurity in the Canadian dairy industry. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Steve, for having me. Pleasure to be here. So um, I, I've, you know, set the stage a little bit on, on who you are and some of the things we intend on talking about, Miriam, but um, could you, for our, our listeners, just give us a bit of an introduction to yourself. Where are you? Um, you know, where have you come from and, and what does the your current operation look like in Manitoba? Okay, so I'm uh, a part of a, a partnership down here. We have my husband and I, Harold, we came to Canada 20 years ago. Um, we lived in the brokery first, uh, had a barn fire up there, and then we moved to Winkler, Manitoba. So this is where we are today. Uh, we have two children, Mark and Tara. Mark is 25. He works with us on the farm. Completed his education in Lakeland College uh, with an animal science and animal uh, ag diploma and then animal business diploma. And then Tara, our daughter, is uh, in third year animal science in Saskatoon. So she's home with us due to COVID. And we have 10 employees here uh, between full and part-time. We milk three times a day, 300 cows, and we farm 1,200 acres uh, alfalfa and grass mixture and corn that's all for our own use so that's about it here we're quite happily nestled six miles north of the border here near winter manitoba nice so you know our, our conversations um today and and conversations i've been having with other folks uh across canada um have been focused at least at this time on on biosecurity you know proaction is has um implemented its its pro or its biosecurity component and and just generally whether it's it's covid or whether it's other species we know biosecurity um from a variety of different angles is is something that uh is is hot on the minds of many different people and, and something that's important for us as a as canadian and dairy farmers in our industry. But I'm curious about sort of your perspective, Miriam, on it. So what does biosecurity sort of mean and look like to you? Uh, Well, biosecurity to me basically means the wellness of our herd here. The whole goal is the quality of the product of the consumer. And our part as farmers, I believe, is the efficiency of getting that product there um, so that we're sustainable, so that we can stay here from an economic perspective. So if you are 
proactive in the health of your animals, then that efficiency rises. And our role here is just to do it whatever we can in order to make that happen. Um, it can be very simple um, with the animal welfare, just taking small steps to ensure that, you know, the animals don't get diseases, prevention. So we, we try to keep, we, we, we love the KISS method here, keep it simple, stupid. And, you know, we hope that we can get good results from, from being proactive and, you know, we, we don't want, we, we, we also say here, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So whatever we can prevent, then we'll go down that route rather than having to treat sick animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I mean, those are some, some good phrases that we try, and, we try and help, you know, get that message out. It doesn't have to be something that's overly complicated or complex. And in most cases, it's just trying to tailor some simple solutions that can work for your specific situation, right? That's correct, yes. So sometimes we talk about biosecurity and uh, and specific diseases, and it, it, it it's difficult to get a sense of where this should fall or fit within the priorities. Of course, there's you know there's always a million things to do. It seems, and biosecurity in particular is one of those things that almost requires constant and routine behaviors. So, can you give me a sense how important do you consider biosecurity on the farm, or where does it have to fit in in terms of priority amongst all the other things that need to be done? Well, I think biosecurity is part of your everyday life. Um, like the whole ProAction program, farmers are doing it anyway, but now we have to record it. Um, and biosecurity is much the same. Um, like on our farm here, the key elements of the biosecurity would be, you know, washing your boots between barns, um, dedicated um, scrapers in each barn. Like don't be dragging the same one from one barn to the next. Um a generous amount of bedding in the stalls, uh, grooved flooring, you know, foot bathing regularly, um, you know, a couple of times a week or, or every day, whatever it happens to be. On this, on this farm, we do it five days a week. Um, scraping the alleyways regularly, you know, a new sleeve for AI. Um, one thing we don't do, again, it comes from the practical point of view when we're doing herd health and we're, um, you know, we might have 100 cows lined up we don't do a sleeve for each one. Some farmers may do that, but on this farm, it's just, you know, the biosecurity and the practicality, it's a bit of a seesaw, and, and that's where one place where we haven't um, gone. Uh, but, you know, feeding the calves, you try to go from the youngest to the oldest. Little things like that, just to make it work. But I just feel that the farmers in general, and on us too, we were doing it already um, as part of kind of a best managed practices, but now we record it. Mm-hmm. Are there are there any specific things, um, Miriam, that you've done recently or made changes to as a result of conversations you've had with with different folks or or experiences you've had? What sort of uh, what sort of changing in your routine, or do you maybe anticipate changing when it comes to um, to trying to help improve, uh, you know, prevent disease on the farm? Um, I think well, in this COVID environment, we were. It's a different conversation now than it was even six months ago. Right. Simply because everybody's much more conscious of distancing and um, aware of visitors on the farm. Like the farm is generally a, a place of gathering, be it with um, you know feed reps or whatever you know they are or semen salesmen or whatever you know they they would come in and the coffee is on and and so forth. But uh, now you're you're a little bit more cautious 
of where they go on farm. Yes, they're coming on farm now and it's we're social distancing and all that, but you're you're cautious that you're not showing them the nice heifers that, you know, from the crop of X bull or whatever, you know, you're you are just um more aware of where they could have been and what they could bring with them. So I think going forward, the conversations we have about biosecurity in the public, it's a different conversation than it was six months ago, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting how COVID has changed the mindset or at least forced us to think a little bit more about this if it hasn't changed our mindset but but of course uh from the human side and then and then translating that back into yeah okay there are some some you know it's pretty easy to transmit some of these diseases and um and like you said it's sort of the the prevention strategy from an economic standpoint is almost always going to be cheaper in the long run so just having that mindset i think is 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 an interesting one to and I guess moving that forward into some conversations you can have with staff, uh, with with other partners, and certainly with your veterinarian. You mentioned a couple of times too uh, the importance of this from from sort of Canada's brand. Can you can you mention or you know sort of elaborate on that, Miriam? Why is biosecurity so important for us as a Canadian dairy industry from a brand perspective, from the product that we're ultimately producing? Well, I think the ProAction program is our assurance program, and it stands. Um, it's it's the the strength behind the blue cow logo. So we have people, especially in today's environment, when you know we have trade deals and, and milk coming in from, or not milk, but products coming in from abroad. And I think because of this environment, we're also looking at all products and saying, oh, made in Canada. So we have to stand behind our 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 blue cow logo. Uh, it is the strength of going forward because we're all dairy farmers. We we all want to stay here. We all want to. You know, ensure that our families in the next generation have a future also. Um, so we're only as good as the assurance program that is behind it. So each pillar of the of the proaction and biosecurity being the the very topical one right now, we have to stand behind it. We have to do the things that are are required of that program um, in order to hold up that brand because that ultimately is our success. I mean, our products have to be bought, and and we we have to have you know we have to stand behind them. No, I think that it's it's great. It's and it's nice to hear sort of that passionate messaging because I think ultimately you're right. It it is it's about making sure that we're producing or demonstrating that we're producing the best product possible. And you don't have to look far, you know, across the pond to to many different European countries to specific diseases that have been eradicated or are at least on their way of being of eradicating. And that's starting to change that that global conversation we're having about where our products coming from and what are the differences of those those herds in this case that that might be providing the milk to produce them. So I think it's, you're right. It's, it's about the Canadian reputation and when we can really strengthen an already strong brand from, from my understanding. And I think also from the biosecurity point of view, and, and we all did SOPs with our vets, um, you know, and again, it's the prevention and your inoculations, your vaccine program, they're all key. I know on this yard here, uh, you know, the newborns, you know, taking them quickly, um, you know, iodining the, the navel. We give them a, a tablet for um, cryptosporidia, uh, you know, get the colostrum in there very quickly. Um, and then caring from them right from day one, you know, they have their own uh, little suite. They have their own uh, may, um, bucket for or their pail for milk. They have their own pail for, for meal. So, you know, limiting the factors where they could you know, let you down and, and get some sort of a, a disease. So, again, it's strength from the bottom and little little things that will strengthen that biosecurity and, again, going for the brand. You know, so it's, 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 a, 
it's a cog in a wheel is what you are really um towards towards the towards the goal of that quality product right yeah yeah good well said so if we look at, at your operation a little bit miriam could you give me a sense of some of the specific diseases that you're taking a focus on, either preventing, you've mentioned a couple already, or some that you're actively trying to control? Uh, well, I think the BVD and the IBR um, are two big ones. Um, the lepto as well and uh, the clostridial diseases, we're, we're trying to minimize those. Um, I mean, we've had, unfortunately, the experience of TB and brucellosis back in the home country, back in Ireland. And, uh, you know, my husband had more experience with those. It was before we, we were married. And then, unfortunately, we had the BSE when we were married, and, and we lost her herd that way. So we know what it's like to lose the lot. And it's not, um, as they say, you know, I have the T-shirt and you don't want it. And you don't want anyone to go down that road. Now, BSE is a little bit different from maybe a foot and mouth in that it's not uh, contagious. So you're not dealing with that part of the disease. But um, you just, you, oh, I I, uh, I shudder when I think about it, and I don't really want anybody to, to walk in our shoes on that one. Mm-hmm. And then coming out of that, then you have the, the task of rebuilding and, and the hassle of dealing with insurance and all that, those things. So, again, we go back to that prevention piece um, for, for, for as much as you can, and it's worth the effort. Yeah, absolutely. And and having gone through those experiences, uh, Miriam, which no doubt bring up all sorts of emotions outside of just the, you know, the, the, the logistical concerns and considerations, there's a huge emotional component there too, I'm sure. Um, but, but did you come away with any lessons learned that, that you've translated now that you have repopulated, rebuilt your herd um, that, that go into that disease prevention? Oh, I think you, you come away with many things. <laughs> One of them, I, pres- I, I you know, we we were a pedigree herd, so pedigree is a little bit different from commercial. Uh, not saying that the commercial uh, farmer doesn't care for his animals, you know, and, and know them very well. But when you have the pedigree, you have uh, it's a, it's an added interest, really, and you lose, you know, show cows down to, down the the avenue to get to go for slaughter. It's not a and it's. It's not because maybe that animal had it, but because uh, an animal in that age strata had it. And um, at, at the time in Ireland, it was a whole herd slaughter. So, yes, you, you will do anything to prevent that. No, oh, no, I think that's great, Miriam. I mean, I think in, you can almost say a full stop for that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But going, I think coming out of that, you realize what's important. And... At the end of the day, whether it's a fire or BSE, um, animals are replaceable, people are not. And you come away with a different attitude to life, for sure, after, after something like that. Yeah, but no your, glass, your glass have to, has to be half full um, in order for you to go forward in a positive manner. And uh, you make it half full. So you find the ways to, you know, to get the strength to go forward again. And um, you... you um, you slice off life in little pieces and and look for the positive, and then you, um, you know, start start walking and then start running again. So it's uh, yeah, been there, done that. Yeah, that's right. Well, and it sounds like you you are very much uh, you know in many ways you ha- you are back to running, which is really phenomenal to hear, and and really you know really pleased to hear that, Miriam, for you and and the family and and everyone involved. Um, 
so we've you've talked about proaction a little bit already, and and one of the things I'm always keen to ask producers is about their thoughts as as this in particular biosecurity was sort of about to come online as we're moving towards September 2019 and now that we're into 2020 um, presumably you've 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 had these conversations you've done some of these risk assessments can you tell me about some of your your I guess mindset as as biosecurity was stumming, starting to come into focus uh, you mentioned you've you you're doing a lot of these things already it just came to writing them down so was that was that really just the, the process of having some conversations with your veterinarian and producing those protocols or was there other steps involved or, or any lessons that you might be able to share? Well, I think when biosecurity came out first, you know, people, I was a little bit concerned about the producer buy-in of the program. Oh, you know, oh, that's whatever. You know, is it really necessary? I think the conversation has leaped ahead now because of COVID. And where people might have thought that it was kind of an unnecessary evil before, now it becomes a necessary part of, of, um, of proaction. And they can see the, the why behind it. Um, Having the vet and doing the protocols with him, to me, was it made it structured. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned before we were doing it already, but now we were writing it down. But, you know, the, the vet has eyes on many herds, so you were able to get from him the best of um, what the other people were doing and applying it to your herd. So maybe you were not really doing so well with, with um, virgin heifers or whatever it was. Well, you know what, maybe a different farmer down the road was doing it better and the vet is able to bring that knowledge to you and then you're able to apply it again it's more prevention so it was just another set of eyes on your herd and a very beneficial set of eyes because your your vaccine i know in our case our vaccine protocol was definitely strengthened by having to do the sop with the vet it's interesting um to to hear the the you know other set of eyes and a different set of eyes um i think for some because you know in most herds will have herd health and have their veterinarian come out but my sense is that there is a you know there's different reasons to come out on the farm and and you know farms are complex there's different reasons and 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 times you focus on specific things so it sounds like what i'm hearing miriam is it was nice to have the vet come out and really focus specifically on on disease transmission and prevention rather than just another visit to do you know the 10 other things they might have to do on a on a typical visit is that fair absolutely and then that's to my point where we were doing it already but we're now doing it a little bit better, <clears throat> excuse me, simply because we, it was a formal process that proaction required that we write it down. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just a conversation and you might get 90% of it or 80% of it, but ne- never 100%. So you had to write this down and you, then you had to, it forced you to look at all age groups right. on, your, on your yard and where, you, where could you improve and were you doing the best you could be, you could, were you doing the best that you could manage for all age groups? Um, the way you have them split up in your yard. One other thing that I think is is particularly interesting in your situation is you've mentioned you've got quite a bit of, of staff or, or help that, that uh, work on the farm. And one of the things we commonly talk about when it comes to the value of having protocols is is training or at least consistent communication. How have you found these uh, built in, these protocols um, find their way into conversations with, with your staff about what to do and, and maybe more importantly, what not to do? So our employees here, um, some of them do not have access to to injecting. So we have a, a kind of a team of people who will inject animals. Uh, if the, for the other people, they will observe 
and they will write it in the vet room to say a certain cow or a certain animal is not looking so well. And we have all our data put onto our our software and they have access to it on, on their phones or in the computer in the office. Uh, we Same with activity colors and to ensure that it's... Um, you, you can't ma- manage what you don't measure. So we try to be very proactive in putting down all the incidences of of each animal so that we have a full in-depth history of what's going on with each one. Um, so that's how we manage it here. Uh, other people may do differently, but it, this is what works for us. Yeah, I love hearing, you know, that you're able to use, uh, well, record and use that data. It, it becomes so important. I mean, the, you hit it on the on the head from my standpoint. Um, you can't uh, manage what you don't measure. It's it's sort of the, um, a goal without a plan is just a wish, right? It's, you know, you, you can't come up with these these strategies to improve uh, if we don't actually know what's going on. And so it's it's great to hear that that, that part of, uh, of practice is really uh, uh, aiding in, in terms of decision making and also a practice that you've got built into to what you're doing already. Um, as, as we sort of you know rise up and, and think about this conversation and, and biosecurity generally, Miriam from from say ten thousand feet, so really broad strokes. What do you think um, some of the the lessons learned that you've come away with over your time uh, as a dairy farmer, or or some of the the, the piece of advice that you might like to impart on on those that might be listening? What would you suggest to to dairy farmers out there that they can do either in terms of mindset or actual practices on the farm to help ensure that that they're doing what they can to prevent and control disease? Well, I think the, the first key is, is to have that conversation with the, with the veterinarian uh, to, you know, to get the basics right. Um, it's no harm for them maybe to walk through your, your yard uh, as you explain what your protocols are in each, for, each fam, um, for each animal group. And then I would probably say try to improve that. We always say try to improve the 5%. You know, if you if you go for fifty, you'll fail. But if you if you go for a five percent uh, improvement, the likelihood is that you will achieve it. And that five percent is better than nothing. And if it's five percent this year and five percent next year, then you're then you're away to the races. So, my you know, take small steps and do them well, and keep it simple. And if it's simple, and you get buy-in from your employees or whoever's working on your yard then it can be managed and, and you will see an improvement. Biosecurity improvement, though, is slow. It's not something that's going to be really immediate. So I think the element of patience has to come in there somewhere, mm-hmm. too. And, um, you know, we, we just have to just keep it going. It, it's incorporated into your daily life and just keep going. Well, I think that's great. Uh, that's great words of wisdom and, and, and advice, uh, Miriam, in particular. I mean, it, it these, these things can take some time. And, uh, and again, it, it, you know, so measuring some progress, uh, setting yourself a goal, and then and finding ways to determine whether or not you're hitting that goal is ultimately going to help probably keep that motivation or that little, you know, the positive um, indication that you're going in the right direction and, and small incremental improvements can lead to big change over time. So, so I think that's great. And I, and I, sorry, I also think that, like, it's important for everybody to embrace this because you could be doing a really good job, but the neighbor down the road is not. So if he does get a, a, a disease that, um, you know, where there is um, a no-movement zone put around him, that's going to affect you. So it's, it's an industry-wide 
efforts that we have to make in order to, to prevent disease. It's not just a single farm. So you can do your part, but the industry must do the same. Because, you know, we, if we have those zones around us, then, you know, our milk movement is, is uh, curtailed um, or it's, it's a real big hassle. We have, you know, the sale of animals, the movement of animals, all those things. So it's, um, it's something that has to be embraced because uh, they always say about the, the foreign animal disease or, or the, it's not if, it's when. And it, that when is, is what we don't want to, we want to pro- prolong the if as, possi- as long as possible. Um, we don't want the reality. It's not, it's not, it's not a good one. And uh, so we, we just do the best we can with what we have and, and, do, and do a good job in trying to keep it all out. Great. Well, thanks very much, Miriam, for for sharing some of your uh, thoughts and and experiences. Really appreciate uh, taking the time to chat with us. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series. The focus of this project is to try and help Canadian dairy producers make informed decisions about animal care on their farms and support them in striving for continuous improvement. For more information, please visit the Dairy Farmer of Canada website, dairyfarmers.ca, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more content. This podcast was narrated, edited, and produced by me, Stephen Roach. Thank you to our guests and to you for listening. The project is hosted by the Dairy Farmers of Canada and partly funded by the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a five-year federal, provincial, territorial initiative. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 